0: Stranger Things was a TV show that made Netflix the hit streaming service that it is today. It was so much of a hit that when they said they would conclude it with season four, they ended it on a cliffhanger and said, no, we're going to be back with a season five and perhaps maybe a six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Who knows what will happen after that? Now, for those of you who have not watched the show, it is set in the 1980s in Indiana. Indiana. And the world in which it takes place at the very beginning of the show seems perfectly normal. Except that underneath that perfectly normal world of 1980s Indiana is another world, a dark world, fog, vines, and an evil tyrant king that punishes people by going after their guilt and turning it on them. And that evil mirror. World is called the Upside Down. Like I said, the ruler of the Upside Down is a tyrant. He's cruel, a destroyer of life. Not just life, but he feeds on guilt. He goes after your past offenses and turns them on you, uses them against you. The ruler assures us that we are, in fact, terrible people and that there is no hope for us. Brothers and sisters, as I watched the four seasons of Stranger Things, I said there is a profound truth here. And the truth of the matter is, we live in the upside down. Now, it might not seem that way. It might seem that, no, 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 Pastor, we are in the right side up because we still have 1980s music. Indiana is still there. Kids still have problems. Adults still don't listen to their children. We're in the right side up. But really, you should judge a world by its ruler, and the ruler of our world is also a tyrant. He is also cruel, and he also uses your guilt and my guilt against us, turning us in on ourselves, so that we can no longer see the people around us who love us or who need our love and support. At one point in Jesus's ministry, the people. The crowd, the mob, really decide that they have had enough and they are going to stone him. And as they are picking up rocks and getting ready to throw them at him, Jesus says, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for good works that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself. God, But the problem was actually worse than that. The problem was that Jesus was making himself out to be the Messiah. In other words, to be the one true, long-awaited king of the Jews. And a true king does not spend their time going around healing people, restoring women, bringing little daughters back to life telling people that really it's okay to pay taxes to Rome and that the religious leaders are the ones who are hypocrites. A true king, especially a king of the Jews, doesn't warn about the destruction of the temple, God's very temple in Jerusalem, and the destruction of Jerusalem itself. That's not a true king. What does a true king look like? For those of us who live in the upside down. Well, we saw a little bit of a picture of that a week and a half ago on Remembrance Day. I love telling the story because it's a great way to learn a little bit about how Canada works, which even most Canadians don't know. We were watching the Remembrance Day ceremonies in Ottawa and we saw the arrival of Governor General Mary Simon with her husband. And Deb was surprised to see her in full military regalia even with her medals on her chest, military cap, robes. She's like, was she ever in the military? I said, she is now, because she is our commander-in-chief. Because her authority derives from the king, who is also ultimately responsible for the government of all Commonwealth countries who retain the king as their head of state. That's what a monarch, a true king looks like, right? Military uniform, all those fancy golden ropes. I don't know how they get them on them. The medals on the chest, the fancy hat, and all the people bowing to them and shooting off weapons and singing anthems to them when they arrive. They even get to drive around in a special car. That's what a true king, a king of the upside down, looks like. Kings use armies to enforce their will. They have police at their disposal. They are the commanders-in-chief of militaries. They are responsible for justice systems. Judges pledge their allegiance to the monarch. They sit on the king's back. We expect our upside-down kings to maintain law and order. But what about saving people? Can a king save? Do the kings even want to save? Isn't the stark reality that every single king, even the most well-meaning monarch or president or prime minister, in the end, is tempted to use that power and authority for themselves? To use the money they have access to for themselves. As Lord Acton very famously said in the United Kingdom, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That's what the kings of the upside down look like. And if I could tell one more story about that, I'm going to tell the story of Pastor Sandor Arguello. I only got to meet him once, but I know a great many people who speak of him in the most high and glowing of terms because he was the missionary who founded the Synod of Nicaragua. All of the Lutheran churches in fellowship with us owe their existence to the preaching of the cross, as we said in our colleague, that Pastor Arguello brought back to his home country. But Pastor Arguello did not start life as a Christian. In fact, he didn't become a Christian until quite late in his life. In his late teens and early 20s, He was a fighter for the Sandinista military. He served alongside Daniel Ortega, and in fact was one of his trusted commanders. And he did it for the best of reasons, because he understood that Nicaragua was a land that was consumed by the upside down. Incredible, incredible poverty, and a handful of people that controlled all of the wealth. And he thought to himself, if this Ortega, And the rest of us can get control of Nicaragua. We will restore law, and we will restore order, and we will bring justice. And so he fought day and night with his troops until finally the government of Nicaragua collapsed, and Ortega declared himself the new president. And then Ortega came to all of his lieutenants, including a young Sandor Arguello, and said, house." It's yours. Pick vehicles; they're yours. Find the money in the bank accounts. It's now all yours. And Sandor said, "But that wasn't why we fought this war. We were going to be just kings, honorable kings, kings who would take over the country for the benefit of the people." Danielle said, "We didn't fight this war." not to enjoy the fruits of our labor. So Sandor fled Nicaragua and came to Canada, to Winnipeg. I don't know what his first year was like being a Nicaraguan living in Winnipeg, but I can tell you that when November and December rolled around, he probably wondered if he had indeed gone straight to hell. I always worry about preaching about hell in Canada, all the heat, the fire and the burning. Most Canadians are thinking, this doesn't sound so bad. But there was Sandor in Winnipeg, and he somehow found himself in a Lutheran church. A little small church, not much different than this. And he heard the story of a very different kind of king who ruled a very, very different kind of kingdom in a very, very unworldly way. And he became a Christian. And he said, I absolutely must go back to Nicaragua. My people need to learn what a true king looks like. A king from the right side up who would come to serve people stuck in the upside down. A king who didn't come to lord it over everyone but to save. You see what happens to a true king? A king from the right side up? when they come into our world? Let him save himself if he's the Messiah, the ruler scoffed as he hung from a cross. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. That's what we would do. Why aren't you acting like a true king of the world instead of a crazy king, allowing himself to be executed? Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and almost as an afterthought, and us. That's what the kings of the upside down do, and it's what we do. We worry first and foremost about ourselves. But Jesus is a right-side-up king, and he is not interested in saving himself. He has come for one sole purpose, to reveal the situation that we are in, what kind of king our world is ruled by, defeat that king and thereby save us and reconcile us to the Father. He was the firstborn of all creation, from whom and in whom all creation holds together, who is the head, going to become the head of his body, the church, comes into our world to be. And show us what a true king does. He makes peace between us and heaven, and he does not act like an upside-down king, but rules justly, and establishes a kingdom that even criminals could be with him today in paradise, who receive him by faith. Do you know it's telling? That the anthem of the United Kingdom, which is also our royal anthem as Canadians, is God save the king. It's not the king save God or the queen save God, but even our upside down kings need a right side up king to deliver them. We who are stuck in the upside down cannot save ourselves. Our kings cannot save us. Our prime ministers and presidents cannot. But Jesus, who is the king who comes from heaven, from the right side up, can. And so we, like the thief on the cross, only have one word to say. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And his answer to us each and every time we hear his promises In his word, each and every time we remember what he did for us in our baptisms, each and every time we eat his body and blood at that altar, his word to us is, you will be with me in paradise, in the right side up, which will be all creation when the true king comes to reign. In the name of Jesus, amen.